0: Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Church, you can take your seat, your sofa, your lounge, your beanbag. If you roll that way, we'll pray for you later. No, literally we will because it's so bad for your back. You're going to need a miracle. <laughs> Looking at you, Jamie Walker. No, you love your beanbag. Hey, we get to continue our series today uh, on the Revolutionary Road. And the whole, the whole concept of this is focusing around the parables or some of the parables of Jesus um, as he began to bring a new culture, a new mindset um, he began a revolution of the hearts and minds of this world, and we get to just continue in that revolution here and now, today. Uh, Joel brought a, a phenomenal message last week on the talents uh, and those who buried, or the one guy that buried it, and then the other two that did really well. I always love that because that's like one of the ones that has preached constantly, it's probably one of the ones that you use a lot as a parent to make your kids clean their room. Uh, you know what? If you're just going to have a messy room, you're not going to steward it well. You're always going to have a room shared. I can't, I can't let Eden and Alice have separate rooms at the moment because they're not, they're not multiplying their talent. They've buried it. And um, But then when you really have a look at what's going on here, uh, it's such an interesting dynamic that Jesus is just pulling out. And this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus' parable of the sower that he begins teaching at the start of Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read it for you. If you have your Bibles, follow along. Um, Verse 1 to 9, this is what it says. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, he then told them many things in parables, saying this is the first parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it had not much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And I love this part, verse 9, it says, Whoever has ears, let them hear. Doesn't that just like, it's one of those moments, one of those things that Jesus says that you've just got to go, okay, Uh, those very words echo through time. All his words do, don't get me wrong. But when you read that, it's almost like he's saying it to you right now. He is. And that's the best part. It's one of those reminder parts every once in a while when you're reading the Bible whoever has ears, let him hear. And then the thought about that is, and I want you to understand this morning, is that he's saying, This is for everyone. Now I know you're like there's some people out there, like Levi, my son, would be like, well, Dad, some people can't hear, even though they have ears. And, <laughs> you know, super legalistic kid. Um, <laughs> real literal kid. No, I understand. The the terminology here that Jesus is using is not just, oh, cause you can hear that's a good thing, though it is. What he's saying is, is that it doesn't matter, everyone has ears, everyone has and needs to hear these words. And being able to put them into practice in your life is now something that is accessible for everyone. And so he's not, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, doesn't matter if you're popular or unpopular. You're good, Colin. Uh, You can pick which one you are. Um, It doesn't matter what what creed or nationality or the color of your skin, doesn't matter if you're male or female. Whoever is in earshot, whoever hears these teachings, let him hear. Let her or him hear. So I look at this and I go, okay, the process of agriculture, because we're just going to focus on the, the parable of the soul this morning. Who here has ever tried to grow something? It's a fun process for most of us. I love every year, we're coming up into that time of year, where I begin to start seeding my chili plants. Uh, and I try to grow really, really super hot chilies um, and then use them to encourage people... To, to man up or to know if their taste buds still work or if their sweat glands are still operating. Um, it's just fun, right? We all have our little hobbies and for some reason in my life, I've always had the opportunity to grow and, 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 and see plants, even though I don't think I've had a natural disposition to it. I haven't been like, yeah, I can't wait to do it. I just like the outcome, but I like the fact that I can get my hands on some super hot chilies you can't buy in the stores. And so it's probably out of necessity. But I grew up with parents who, you know, we are the sort of the middle to lower socioeconomic class. And growing your own vegetables was a good way to subsidize costs. And so my whole childhood, we always had a really large garden patch. We always had broccoli and cauliflower and spinach and pumpkins. Uh, what, do you, what do they call them here? squash, uh, and like snow peas and beans, all from the garden. And it doesn't matter if you're a city dweller or you grew up in the country and you're all that then and and that type of stuff and you like shooting. I love it. I can't wait and get to get there shooting soon. But it doesn't matter where you are. I love this parable because we all understand the concept of sowing a seed and seeing the fruits of our labor and it growing. And Jesus uses this agricultural, this 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 understanding that everyone would have had to start teaching. And this morning, the best part is knowing that means you have no excuses. That's just how I work, right? It's like, so we all know how to put a seed in the ground. We might not know how to do, what to do with it next. But we do know that there's some seeds that flourish and some that don't. And there's reasons for it. There's some things that grow into really healthy trees, and there's some things that just wither off and die. And we know there's reason, and it's not simply because you you just put the, the seed and it was you're a bad person and you didn't know where to put the seed. There's a whole bunch of things taking place here. And Jesus actually starts to reflect on basic agricultural practices so that we would understand, and he reflects it. And so he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. And I'm going to jump ahead to the, to the like the, um, you know, the punchline of this parable, Jesus is the sower. (laughs) Boom, we're done, we can go. Um, So instead of like working up to that, like that'd just be a bad Marvel movie, right? Uh, Where you just, oh, Jesus, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, Colin, it's Jesus. Biz, it's Jesus. Oh man, my life's changed is that we should know that Jesus is speaking about himself here. But I find it really interesting is that when you take a parable like this, where Jesus is discussing his own character and his own position in it, even though it seems metaphorical sometimes to us, and when we look at that, we then have to realize that there's a two parts to this that play out. There's a relationship here that Jesus is trying to reflect in. So if he's the sower, we are the what are we? Oh, this is the best part. You might be the seed in a situation. You might be the soil. It might not just be you. It might be a part of your life that he's talking about. This is how the parable works. He might have put you in a hard situation and said, you know, what are you going to rely on here? And we're going to look at the different soil types that Jesus talks about, the different areas. And I want you to know, if, you're, if you've never heard the gospel of Christ, what he's really saying to you right now as a seeker is that you have ears, you get to hear, and at the end of it, you get to make a decision. Because he, he's constantly teaching us through the Holy Spirit, his love, his practice, his character. And for those of us who are seeking through his word, the truth see it 's not uncommon, and, and we 're going to look at this later, but during his time when he was on earth in Palestine it wasn 't uncommon for them to either plow the ground, the soil first, then plant the seed, or scatter the seed, then plow the soil they were would, they would, both practices were used commonly, uh, and there 's an interesting thought to that, but at the end of the day, this is what I need you to know is that Things can be resurrected. Things can be changed. You go, well, he plowed the ground and the seeds have grown and it's bad now. Nothing can happen. It's stuck. But what I love is that the thought is, is that you can just replow it. Do you get know what I'm saying? Like even though the seeds landed on a ground that wasn't healthy soil, it can be replowed and become healthy. It can be made healthy. I want you to keep that in mind as we talk about this because sometimes when we look at parables and we look at some that 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 the, the, the warning that Jesus is giving us, we can get stuck in the warning and lose hope. And I just want you to know right now, this was never designed that you would lose hope, but you would heed the warning, understanding that in Christ, all things are renewable. All things can be redeemed. And that's our hope is that if he's the sower, then if we allow him to be the sower, he's also the one that can make right soil. So look at this, right? The first thing it says is that in verse four, he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. That's rough. I hate birds in general. I like, I like eagles and stuff. They're really majestic ones. But you see, you see seagulls and pigeons and, and you feed them and they just... Oh. I'm just not a bird fan. Like, I'm afraid of swans. Um, I've got this fear. I think I've mentioned it before. Uh, like swans can be aggressive in Australia, like geese are here. And they can be quite territorial and protective. And it's not that I think the, the swan is going to hurt me. They probably could, you know, give me a run for my money. Uh, it's more the fact that everyone here is a fight, flight, or freeze person, right? You can, in the chat right now, you can say, oh, I'm fight, I'm, I'm, I'm flight, I'm freeze. Or well, this might not come as a surprise to you. I'm like a fight person. And my fear is this is if a swan in a public space, usually around kids, attacks me, my natural response would probably be to wring its neck. I know, judge me now. It's just a fight thing. Because you imagine the headlines? Pastor murders swan at family event, public park. That's what I get afraid of. I just hate birds. Birds are those creatures that you know are divisive, but they make it out they're all normal and nice and just, anyway, I could go on forever. The picture you need to see here, and Jesus is on the boat teaching them. And do you know what? For most of the time, his extended teaching was reserved for the disciples. But every once in a while, he'd talk to the whole crowd about stuff. And he's talking to the whole crowd about this. And uh, he's used, like I said, an agricultural image, an illustration to begin to teach them about what he's about to teach beyond this point. Um, and in the day, they would plough the the field, or they'd prepare the field for ploughing, and every every, you could imagine, there was a field, and then there was a path for the workers to walk down, right? It wasn't just continuous field or continuous ploughed dirt. There was pathways, and you could then imagine that when the field was ploughed and ready to go, that the farmer would come past, and he would scatter his seed, and some of the seed would fall on the path. Right, they're not like. I know in the, our head we see like one seed, one seed. It's not what they were doing. Like it's a long. They were just like they would plow the. Ground. I don't know if you've seen it before, but it's it's quite simple process. But some of the seeds will fall on the road, and and the the imagery here is that that it's fallen on a place that it was not intended to be. Right, like the road has a different. Meaning, It has a different purpose. The road is not designed for the plant to grow. So the question here is, and and I know we we sometimes think to ourselves, oh, it's the sower's fault, like he threw the seed on the road. Jesus is not trying to have a go at the farmer here. It's It's a normal practice. He's saying that there's parts of our lives that we attempt to operate out of when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our relationship, they weren't designed to operate out of, right? It's the wrong soil. And we can look in our own life and begin to go, well, what is that for us? But it's the concept of using the gospel or using what we have in Christ to empower something that it shouldn't empower. It's the wrong pathway Ever thought about, like, what is a road in your life? What is it meant for? I often think about relationships uh, in regards to how we treat relationships, how they look like in our life, what they, what they uh, are doing in our life, and how we use our faith and our relationship with God to interact with those relationships And in church, like we can look at this right now and go, okay, uh, we're we're talking about people just coming to know Christ. But at the same time, these parables are meant for those of us who already know him. We're already in relationship with him. And so we're talking about the seasons in our life where we inappropriately use, or we position the seeds that God's given us on the wrong things. And then we expect to get certain outcomes that we don't get. And the Bible says the birds will come and they'll eat them up. Why? Because and I love this thought, is that he uses an image that's constantly normal. We shouldn't be surprised that seed on a path equals bird-eating seed. Does that make sense? And so sometimes we position the gospel in parts of our life. Parts of our life, and I don't say it shouldn't be there, but we're putting it there out of a selfish reason. Do you get what I'm saying? Like the gospel has every every right to be in, in, in 100% of who we are, but it's how we're using it that makes the soil either good soil or a walked, trodden pathway. And sometimes what we do is, is that instead of listening to what God's saying to us, what the Holy Spirit's leading in us, in and through our relationship with Jesus, instead of actually obeying it, we put it, on what we want, on a pedestal that we need, on a road that we've built. Yeah. And then we wonder that the natural outcome is it doesn't last, doesn't work. The birds come in and just peck away at it. So good, ben. I honestly think this has a lot to do with our spiritual health. Wow. If those roadways... Signify anything right now for us. They signify the things that we've not allowed God to plow and make healthy. They're the areas in our life in which we're still using the gospel for selfish gain. Or we're using the desires and promises God's given us for something we can control. See, those roadways are so narrow. Those pathways are so small between the fields. They're not big highways. These are narrow because you would want to get the most out of your field, right? So there's these narrow roads, these narrow pathways, singular pathways. One person can walk along them. When you see the rice paddies in Asia, you'll notice that it's a small single person pathway. So you get the most out of the field. Our life is never perfect. I get that. But this is what I find interesting. There's always these narrow pathways that, that, that signify the areas that we're still working on. We're still getting the Holy Spirit to work on and we're still wanting to get the most out of our, our field. And so who would have a field where the pathway makes up more of the ground than the actual plowed field? Think, just think about that. If you give Jesus but a portion of you and he's the one that sows seeds and he's the one through the Holy Spirit that prepares the soil in us, through obedience and through surrender, if you're only surrendering a portion of your life, then your calling, your desires, everything God's given you, that full field that represents who you are, the healthy part is the narrow pit in the middle and then everything else is the well-trodden road. What we need to be working on in our life is to make that pathway between our fields as narrow as possible as narrow as possible. And that's what we're working for. We're working to the point where we don't need those things anymore. We never needed them in the first place, but we all carry things. And the Bible tells us that these seeds that get scattered, some of them will fall on us, and we, we are either going to have more road than field or more field than road. I've been there. I've been the biggest perpetrator of this, where you, where you just clearly have taken something God's given you. It comes in the form of this, God said. Right? God said, but nothing comes into fruition. I mean like nothing. There's no growth. There's no change. There's no transformation. The God said comment is a pathway comment. The God said comment is the seed that you're taking that he's given you that you're allowing to fall on the road and not in healthy soil. And and the, the reason nothing happens is that distractions come like birds and boom, take things. It was never empowered by the Holy Spirit, so it never germinated in the first place, but it's good feed and fodder to the distractions of this world. This is what we look at as believers see if you 're if you're investigating Jesus right now what he 's saying is i, I want to make I want to be the one that only walks that road those pathways because i don 't I don't, I don't compress the soil i don 't destroy the field, I walk above it, I walk above the storms i don 't corrupt you with my presence, I empower you, I enrich you." I stir you in the good things so that you can bear good fruit. Verse 5 it says, Some fell on a rocky place where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now, we understand what's taking place here. Like when the Bible says the sun came up, it wasn't like the next day the sun came up and the seeds were fried. It just was stating that the sun comes up every morning and it was one morning when the sun came up at the hottest time, we realized that the plant didn't actually establish a great root system. Why? Because the soil was shallow. It was in the the rocky areas, which tells us the bedrock had come to the top or the the topsoil had been moved, so the bedrock was exposed. And there was still a thin layer of soil, which means the soil heats up quicker, which means when the, the, the seed is germinating, it germinates quicker and growth happens quicker and it sprouts probably faster than if it was in a deeper soil. And that thing looks amazing. But then when the real sun comes, when it comes in the middle of summer and this thing has to survive the heat, it dies and withers. Honestly, this has the imagery of no inward transformation and growth, but external performance. External performance. Where parts of our life, we've allowed it to look healthy. It's grown quickly. It's, it's something amazing happened, but there's no roots it's, it's that imagery that, I'm probably in trouble for this, but I find it phenomenal that a female can have like the world's biggest zit. Like it's like grotesque. We'd never say it, guys, but we, I know you all know what I'm talking about. It's grabbed your attention before, maybe entered your prayer life. But what I find amazing is you give that lady half an hour to an hour in the mirror with the right products, and they'll come out and you won't even know it there. it's there. It's, it's like magic, right? And what I find funny is they'll go to an event and someone will be like, you look beautiful tonight. But do you know what they're complimenting? They're complimenting the thin soil on top of a barren bedrock not the actual depth of soil that you want. And so when the heat comes and it melts your face off, everyone sees the zit. All of a sudden, were they complimenting you or were they complimenting external performance that has nothing to do with who you really are? That's what I find funny. That's what I find hilarious, is that we do this day in, day out. We dance this dance all the time. Guys, we ain't no different. Right? Like, be honest, like, how many of us, I love the fact that the new haircut I got, I just got to like wash it now, and it just sits there, it's, it's amazing. But I still had to go and get it done, right? It's not my natural hair. <gasps> what? what? Biz, it's your natural hair, isn't it? Yes. No one can see you right now, but Anyway. Because the lighting. <laughs> but we do this. And in relation to our physical, you know, uh, our physical um, presentation, I get that, like, honestly, there's unhealthy levels to that, so don't get me wrong. But I understand why females put makeup on, and I know why guys should take care of themselves, and I get all that. Like, guys, hygiene is a big one. It's putting it out there we don't mind if that soil is like thin just make sure it's make sure it's dealt with but what jesus is really focusing in here and what we can really take away right now is that we can make it look like we're spiritually alive say the right things do the right things serve the right areas and it can flourish quickly but we don't serve a god of quick outcomes we don't serve a God of instanality. We serve a God that is all about longevity. It's all about something that is sustainable, consistency. He is all about faithfulness. And that opportunity to look good temporarily is so enticing in the modern era that this, this, this very portion of the parable, I believe, is more accurate right now than ever before. Shallow pastors, shallow congregations, living in shallow cities, shallow nations. No wonder this world is broken. It celebrates everything that is counter our God. Where it celebrates shallow, he says, I am deep. Where it is narrow-minded, he says, I am wide and my expanse is indescribable where it will want a temporary performance, God demands legacy. He demands an eternal outcome because it's better, because it's righteous, it's holy, it's good. Many of us put on our spiritual makeup each and every day as believers and we go out and we make do, but one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be fatigued. You're going to be withered. You're going to be withdrawn. You're going to feel like every ounce of your body is out of place. Rapid growth in shallow soil should not be unexpected. The sun will rise. And this is what I love about the parable. The birds will come if the seed is on the path. And no matter what happens, the sun will always rise. There is an equality in this parable. There is a consistency in this parable. And that is we aren't in control of every aspect of what's going on. We just know that there's going to be certain patterns that are consistent. Bird eats you know seed on path sun will rise every 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 morning and will scorch that doesn't have deep roots like you don't you can't change that but you can prepare for it you can you can adjust for it you can adapt to it you can actually take something that scorches you if you have shallow roots but enriches you if you have deep roots See, that's our God. He hasn't come here to do you a specific miracle alone. I love that we want miracles. I want to see miracles. But often what he's saying is the miracle is your ability to adapt in him so that you would take something like the sun that goes up and down every day and turn it into something that enriches you on a level that begins to create things that only you can create in and through Christ. And there's your miracle. There's your desires being met. scorched and withered. Now, I know I might get some complaints from some of our female congregants who are like, hey, you were talking about my pimple. (laughs) That's just classic human nature, right? Pastor Vince talking about when I had that one pimple. I didn't even notice it, to tell you the truth, right? I only noticed my wife. (laughs) Dang, you're good looking. You're so embarrassed right now, aren't you? Well, no, you're good, all right. I love Emma and I. When Emma gets a pimple, there's like an unspoken conversation between us that morning. It's just like... Mm-hmm. Like, and my response has to be like a nonverbal, I still think you're beautiful. But at the same time, I can't be over the top that it disregards the pimple. I'm just giving some marriage advice to all the singles out there. One day you'll know what I'm talking about. There comes a time in your marriage where you can't simply say, no, you, it's fine, you look beautiful. That doesn't work. It's not real. <laughs> it's not fine. You've got to be with them on that. You're like, you know what? You're still beautiful to me, but yep, yeah, everyone's going to see that bad boy. But it's only for a season. doesn't change who you are, right? <laughs> Listen, pops in front of everyone. How like divisive is that thought? Because there's people, there's two types of people in the world. Those who go on Instagram and watch people get pimples popped. And those who don't do that. <laughs> I'm a don't do that person. I know a few people who are. Should, name, should we name in shame right now? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Verse 7 says, "Others, Other seeds fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. The imagery here, and we've got to understand this ties so well into why we have the Holy Spirit in our life, is that when they would go and plow the fields, often these weeds and these thorns would get plowed into the field and they'd go sow their seeds and the, the previous roots and the previous seeds from these thorns and weeds would also germinate, would also grow. And we've got to be really careful then if we were to look at this in our modern mind, our modern era, is what haven't we got removed completely from our field that shouldn't be there? Like I like to look at this this parable for us as believers that if he's the sower and he's planting seeds in our life, then it's our job to prepare the soil in and through the Holy Spirit. Like that's the sanctification process. The more like Jesus we are, the more fruitful we will be. Which means there is a path. I said this at the start, there's a relationship between us and the sower in Christ. And we are the, the ones that prepare the soil through the Holy Spirit so that Christ can do the work that He needs to do in us. And there's this mutuality there, this synergy, this cycle, this healthy natural progress that God put in place when He first started this earth. And that's what Jesus is reflecting on here, right? Something that God mandated. Go, grow your crops. The curse said that it'll be difficult. But in Christ redeemed, the burden becomes light. But we wonder, when we haven't purged the soil, when we haven't gone into our life with the Holy Spirit and removed the old man, the old woman, the old creation out, that when we begin to plant what is to come and we haven't removed in the power of God all the old, all the toxic things, all the bad habits, the bad mindsets, the bad ideologies, the bad concepts that we have, if we haven't asked the Holy Spirit, if we haven't worked on it, if we haven't been disciplined in it, if we haven't had our minds renewed daily, if we haven't been... Uh, You know, purified, and if we haven't, if we haven't intentionally focused on the scriptures and what they meant in our life, and made changes to the way we behave, and brought in healthy, isn't it funny that unhealthy habits are so much more easy attained than healthy habits? I've got so many questions for God, and that's one of them, because it makes no scientific, like I don't understand that. Outside of desire in humanity, without God, tends to be unhealthy. It's one of those things that for me just really points to the fact that we're such spiritual beings. Because late at night, this takes great discipline, your pantry can be filled with 99% healthy things. And then 1% is just like trash. And late at night, when you're alone... Maybe the movie wasn't like, maybe it left you a little bit, you know, bummed, a little bit upset, or maybe you're halfway through a movie and you're excited, right? It doesn't matter what's going on, the emotions. You go to the pantry, you go to the cupboard where all the goodies are, and they're all healthy except for one. Why is it that one unhealthy, like, snack seems to just echo and resonate and glow and possess so much more authority in the pantry than the 99 other good things in there? Why is that? It's the same concept here. See, one thorny, bad habit spiritually in your life can begin to choke the life out of what God is giving you. It can start robbing you of your inheritance. I say this all the time. Sin is, does not like to be hidden. You've got to, you've got to get your, your mind around this. God is so in love with us. The Bible says that He has a zealous love, a jealous love towards us. He wants all of us. It's good for us to give all of us to Him. That relationship is perfect. It's beautiful. That surrender is empowering. The obedience is breakthrough. But at the same time, sin does not want just a portion of you. For a time you can hide it, for a time you can keep it compartmentalized. But after a while, just like the thorns, it will grow, it will rise, it will compete for predominance. And it will rob from you the healthy plants The healthy moments, the healthy seasons, the healthy skills and talents that God is trying to develop and cultivate in your life. I know this seems really simple, but it starts off a seed. So if a seed, faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain, right? Then an unhealthy, toxic habit of a mustard seed can rob you of your inheritance I love that sometimes we think well it's God alone that makes the mustard seed a power the faith of a mustard seed something powerful no it's the combination of faith from us the obedience from us the surrender from us partnered with the unchanging character of God that makes it formidable but in the same sense We can empower sin to do some incredibly bad damage in our life. We do that. See that we all pray for a move of God, a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. We want a burning flame, like a revival, to come. You know, and we've spoken about this before. What does fire need to be sustained? It needs oxygen. It needs fuel, and it needs an ignition point. Well, if the Holy Spirit is the breath of oxygen, and if the Holy Spirit is the igniting flame, then what are we? We're the the fuel. So if we want more of God, if we want a bigger flame, we've got to give more fuel. How do we give more fuel? By removing what's unhealthy so that there's space for what is healthier, what's going to be able to burn better, what's going to be able to sustain a revival. More of us, and I say this truthfully, most of us are doing more for God than our relationship with Him can sustain. Ever thought about that? We're trying to achieve more for God than our relationship with Him can sustain. When I read this part of the parable, we are trying to grow this abundant crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty-fold crop for Christ, but we have littered the field with unhealthy habits, with toxic mindsets. We've ploughed it into the very depth of the soil and instead of taking time to go through and clear the field, like the shepherd go through the valley and clear the valley for the herd, or for the for the, uh, it is a herd, right? Flock, herd of cows, but the same thing, just bigger. Yeah, it doesn't matter; they're not the same thing, but you know what I mean. What are we doing? This is why we have the Holy Spirit, believers. We have the Holy Spirit to help sanctify us, to help us go through that transformational process. I would love to be a field of super healthy soil. As a church, we're called to be a healthy soil church. That the agriculture, that biodiversity, everything is dependent upon what we're putting in the soil, what is found in the soil. If there's too much salt in the soil, if there's too much pollution in the soil, it's not useful. You can't use it. Bad seed from bad things like addictions that are unhealthy. Subscribing to ideologies that are ungodly. Not being able To surrender selfish desire and control will put up an intense competition for nourishment in your life. If you're wondering why the things of God aren't growing as healthily in your life or the roots aren't going as deep, but you can feel that it's fragile. It's not that you don't pray enough. Well, maybe it is, but often we're like, I don't pray enough. I don't read my Bible enough. It's not it. It's because your prayers are usually founded in fear, and your reading in the scripture doesn't become action in change. All you're doing is raking your field. You're not actually getting in there and pulling everything out. It's identifying the cause, but doing nothing about it. These are all warnings that Jesus is saying, and He's about to teach a whole bunch of great parables. But He's saying to them, hey, what is the soil of your life right now? Is it, is it trodden? Is it just the narrow pathway where the birds are gonna feed off what I'm about to give you? Is it a shallow soil too close to the bedrock of bitterness, of comparison, of selfish desire or control? Is it going to grow quickly, but then when real life happens day in, day out, it's not sustainable because there's no depth to it? Or is your life filled with so much junk that you're not willing to let go of that the very things I want to give you are going to struggle to find a place in your life, even though you have the field for it to grow in? Verse 8, Jesus says, Finally, we come to the seeds that fell on good soil. It fell on good soil. Where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. This is what you need to understand. We can't create the soil for that crop alone. We can't do it. We don't have the expertise. See, when you're apprenticing in something, you do the things that are easier to do while the master does what the master needs to do. And what I love is that we're all apprenticing when it comes to how we prepare a field. See, if we don't listen to the master, then the field could be just mostly road or if we don't listen to the master the field could not be ploughed properly and be mostly bedrock or if we don't listen to the master we're probably going to not get rid of all the impurities that we need to we're not meant to do this alone see the Holy Spirit was given to us a great gift so that we would learn, be guided and directed to how to prepare the soil of our life so that when Jesus comes and He does each and every day and begins to sow things into us, just like He sowed the promise into Abraham so that the nations would be blessed through His obedience and His faith, He wants to do the same in us. He's looking for the same that same soil filled with faith, filled with discipline, filled with expectation for the move of God. He's looking for a soil that is not about selfish gain. It's not about making ends meet simply so that you can tell your neighbours how awesome you are or put on the best makeup or wash yourself with the best soap. He's looking for someone who's saying, this is my soil. I've given you the field. Master, show me how to use it. Show me how to plough this. Show me how to cultivate what is perfect in your sight so that when you land your seeds in my life, they find deep soil. They find healthy soil. They find nutrients. They begin to grow and it begins to bear not just one fruit, but hundreds isn't that not what we want in our relationship with Jesus? And so when we begin to read the Bible, every time you get up and read your Bible, every time you give them the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, can I encourage you to check your soil quality. Check your soil quality. This morning, we got to check our soil quality. Here's a good soil this morning. You're like, ah, oh, I don't know. You know what? I said this at the start. It wasn't uncommon for the sower to go back and plough the field, even though the seeds had been sowed already. So good. Maybe Jesus needs to come into your life right now. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit to move right now. The master to step into your field right now and say, hey, look, I know you did your best, but you just don't know. You're just not skilled in this area. And that's okay. But if you, if you would give me permission to step into your life right now, I could really show you some stuff that's gonna begin to transform you. Hey, if you just gave me all the things that you got wrong, don't worry, I can remake it into something beautiful. I can position you into something great. Hey, if you would just allow me, if you would just hand over ownership of your field to me, if I told you that that my, my burden... Was easy, my yoke was light. Would you co-labour with me right now? You'd benefit. It's it's your life, but it's my field. Some of us right now, we need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Maybe your life has gone through a bit of a drought lately. Maybe that, that very field you have is so dry that you just need a fresh pour, a downpour of the Holy Spirit in your life this morning. You just need Him to flood your field, flood your life, give it a little bit of hope. Churches, COVID's done nothing else to us. It should have told us that we need God more than anything and that the only way to fight the drought of isolation, the drought of mental health, The drought of fear, stress, and anxiety is by surrendering to Jesus and letting the Holy Spirit come. And so this morning, can we be courageous? Can we be so so powerful in our limited strength that we surrender? So wise in our limited wisdom that we hand things over to the Master? Because I, do, I really do believe Sundays, Sundays aren't days where we grow. Sundays are the days where we check the soil quality. It's during the week when we grow. And every Sunday when we come together, we're just a bunch of farmers checking the soil quality of our life so that the seed that God wants to, to lay in our life, we know is gonna find fruition. We live in a desperate world. We carry the answer. But right now, Let's surrender all of that to Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Let's take heart this morning, for He's come. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.